On the Pilot TV podcast this week, we're digging up another cold case with Nicola Walker and Sanjeev Bhaskar in Series 4 of ITV's Unforgotten. Discovering what Lagatha the Shield Maiden is up to post-Vikings in Big Sky, which is one of the launch series on Disney Plus's Star. And, speaking of new shows on Star, we also see if Love, Simon's big screen magic can survive the transition to the small screen in Love, Victor. I'm James Dyer and welcome to the Pilot TV Podcast, a show that is taking full credit for Netflix's momentous decision this week to renew Fate the Wink Saga for a glorious second season. What will happen in Althea next year? How will things unfold for Bloom the Fire Fairy? We'll find out before too long. Who gives a fuck? <laughs> Equally, as you've heard, <laughs> elated by this extraordinary news, are my two co-hosts, Professor Boyd Hilton, OBE, and Her Eminence, Terry Louise White, the Archbishop of Chesterfield. How are you both? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that made me laugh. Yeah, yeah. Um, fine. I, when that email came through, when the press release came through about Fate the Wink Saga, I, I, I immediately thought of your little face, <laughs> so thrilled by it. The, I, uh, it was quite a surprise. I did the Dance of Joy. Because we were wondering what's happening to it. inundated. I was doing the Empire podcast at the time, and suddenly like my mentions exploded on Twitter as everyone was like, oh, my God, James, it's been renewed. And it was like, yes. Oh, oh God, you're their the leader in all things <laughs> shit. <laughs> I think you mean all things <laughs> fabulous, Terry. Oh, my God. Yeah, this, I'm, I am concerned about something that I wanted to talk about okay. on the pod this week. Um. And what I'm concerned about is this rise of what I can only um, describe as James devotees who now have taken to messaging me to tell you how much they like you. And one, I got one such message this week from somebody who DM'd me on Instagram just to say they were, I quote, Team James. <laughs> Team James. He actually said, I do want to end on the fact James is the lifeblood of the pod and everything he says in his smuggish ways really makes my day. Team James! Oh, the Team James t-shirts will be available for purchase next week. What is the name for... Because, you know, all the fan fandoms have these names, don't they? Like the, the James Dyer Army. Bellends, what is probably. the name of the... Yeah. Diehards. 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 Diehard um, Bellends, oh, yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, that is amazing, yeah. Diehards. I'll yeah, take it that. Is, it is an amazing... The, the massive army of, of your fans is quite... The power of Winx, boy. It's the power of Winx. It's the, not just Winx. It goes beyond <laughs> Winx. I mean, I feel like there should be a specific collective noun for a group of Bellends, but I think that would just be Bellends, yeah, wouldn't it? Like a, that's a the collective cavalcade noun. of Bellends. I don't know. What is the collective yeah. noun for that? It's funny you should say that because uh, while I may be getting some some you know positive feedback from others, I got I got a complaint from my mother who said, "James, you shouldn't be telling people you don't watch documentaries. It makes you sound like an idiot." <laughs> I mean, um, yeah. Mrs. Dyer, you are yeah. you are correct. Yeah. So you know, it gives with one hand and taketh with the other. Oh, speaking of which, what documentaries have you been watching this week, and why is it Brittany? Oh my God! So yeah. The Britney documentary finally arrived on um, Sky Documentaries. And it's a it film, was, though, so can I ban you from talking about it? <laughs> it is not a film. It is a, a documentary <laughs> it on the television. Oh, feature-length Ooh. event. <laughs> it, it is a, uh, and it, I'm, I can't wait to hear your thoughts on it, James, particularly. Um, but it is. it was a sobering viewing, actually. It was, it was actually quite hard to watch in places, you realise just how 
terrible things were for her, especially, you know, in the midst of severe mental illness, losing custody of her kids, you know, the whole thing and the way that kind of she was manipulated and violated and traumatised by the press, by people in her team, like the level, the layers of betrayal, it, it's just, I mean, it, I found it so, actually so upsetting. Um and it's funny because I don't know what I expected it to be, but I, I don't think I expected it to be as stark and bleak, actually, as it was. I mean, that sounds very much your bag, to be fair. I know, I know. But what did you think, Boyd? Yeah, I thought it was. Um, I thought it was fascinating, and it brought back a lot of uh, uh, memories for me. And um, having worked working as I do for Celebrity Weekly magazine, and having, as I think I might have mentioned on this podcast before, been to LA to front a tv documentary about the paparazzi who followed britney spears mm. um and seen them and met them and seen them in action and the terrifying um way that they did follow her around without any regards to her safety seemingly um so it brought all that back but what was the cons- the conservatorship was the most was the most kind of fascinating thing and i still don't understand you know what having no. watched i still don't understand why. it didn't shed much light on it did it no. on actually because it's it put it points out repeatedly how extraordinary, extraordinary, how extraordinary, extraordinary. it is, extraordinary <laughs> it is that she has been under this conservatorship for, what, 14 yeah. years, which yeah. is w- pretty much without legal precedent. They say there is, like, literally, yeah. it's it's a insane amount of time. She can. There's a whole contrast between her doing this Vegas residency, this massively demanding, taxing, um, sh- everyday sh- a show, but she's actually not deemed competent enough to even be yeah. able to take money out of a cash point without permission. And it yeah. doesn't explain that, does it? How no. legally, how this no. is still able to be done. Exactly. And then I watched, so that I, cause I'm so obsessed with the, I didn't understand it at the time because there is no, it doesn't exist in, 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 in this country, does it? It's a unique American thing. There is no equivalent of it in, in this country. Um, and so it's so bizarre. I've never understood it. I, and, and it's shrouded in mystery, I guess, because, um, because it all rests on her medical records, of course, which are private and can't be shared. To, so what? But as you say, it's so bewildering. I mean, the, the best, my, um, uh, the, the 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 funniest bit. There is one funny bit I thought in the you know when there's the big announcement of her new Vegas show, and every every thousands of people show up in Vegas to see her make this announcement to come on. There's a huge build up, fans, the world's press, and she arrives, and um, it's going to it's being covered on TV live and everything. And she arrives and literally walks past everyone and walks into yeah. a car and drives off and doesn't say anything. That was so funny that bit. But yeah, I mean, how can she? She's she's still doing making records, performing live, blah blah blah. But her father still has this unbelievable power over her in this in this legal it way. Feels it's like he's the villain of this story. Or is that another simplification? Well, kind of. Yeah, I mean that. It, mm. Yeah, yeah, it does seem so. Um, and there are other people involved as well. Like there's people like Sam Lutfi. All these names. Yeah. Of these, like, this guy Sam Lutfi just arrived on the scene in the middle of at her very worst when she was at her most vulnerable right at that moment when she shaved her head that whole incident that whole night in her life. And this guy Sam Lutfi arrived as this manager from nowhere who was this like weird guru like figure that suddenly ended up seemingly controlling her life. So there are other kind of dark figures in this whole in, in the story. Yeah. As well. Yeah. And you go where was her mum? Right. Like yeah. How, yeah. There are people you just think where were her people? Where are the people who mm. want to protect her? But it's it's this it's just this weird 
thing where you know basically she's being she's being controlled but also trotted out to make to make millions and millions and millions of pounds still for money she can't even access it's the whole thing is and just the stuff with her kids if she still doesn't have full custody of it's like it's incredibly incredibly sad um Mm. but yeah i wasn't any clearer on the conservatorship stuff by the end obviously not deliberate but it felt quite pointed to me that it came out in the same week as i care a lot on netflix which is obviously about abuse of guardianships and whatnot certain thematic similarities well i mean they yes but they could let me tell you they could not be more two more different pieces of uh of work tonally or any other way um but i tell you the other thing i wanted to talk about and I would just want to say, and I'm sure James, you'll mark it in the notes, but spoiler, 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 because we have to talk about that fucking ending. <laughs> Behind our eyes, we have <laughs> okay, to talk okay, about Okay, that right. Ending. So we are now imposing a short spoiler warning. There is going to be a short spoiler discussion about the TV show Behind Her Eyes, which is available on Netflix. If you have not watched it yet and you wish to watch it and you have not read the book, then skip forward. I will add something in the description so you know when to skip to. Um, So just be warned. Okay. Have at it, Terry. What the fuck? (laughs) So, So obviously when we reviewed this last week, I was saying, oh, it's really pulpy. It's really weird. It's really heightened. I think I really like it. So, and I also said, I can't wait to stop talking to you people and go and watch it. And it did not disappoint. And actually, every episode gathered more pace and more momentum. And obviously, what wasn't really apparent in the episodes I'd seen um, was what became the dominant thing, which is essentially what astral yep, projection yep. is that this is, is the bit that, that i was upset when netflix provided the screeners they had a spoiler went, please do not reveal the supernatural elements of the plot and i was like i didn't need oh, to know no. that going into this no that that <laughs> is that is bad they've got to sort that, that out they've got to sort that, that out yeah sucks. that sucks yeah. Because I didn't see so I didn't see that come in. I thought this is gonna be yeah. your kind of classic pulpy thriller, the wife's a psycho, etc. etc. I did not see the supernatural <laughs> element coming. I did not see the astral projection coming. And funnily enough. And, oh my god. And it was I just, I actually thought it was really well done because it the first um depictions of it was just this slight wobble. Yeah. On, mm. You'd end up in a weird, but the camera <laughs> yeah. would be in a weird position and you'd end up with this, and there'd be a wobble over the picture. And I was like, what is that? And then it becomes apparent that you're essentially you're at the point of view of somebody watching, but you don't know who. And then as they, as you kind of get to the point of, of their sh- going backwards in time to when um, she first learns to do it. And oh my God, I did see the ending coming. I so will did say. I, but not until the final episode. But. I mean, there's so many. Oh my god! I was just. Oh god! But also, didn't you find it terribly distressing? Like when um, yeah. she kills yeah, and she kids. says her oh son's name. Oh my god! Name. That's yeah. horrific. Yeah. And she Awful. says her last yeah, word horrific. is her son's yeah. name, Adam. And then yeah. she goes and picks up the kid. She goes, "Come here, son," because <laughs> she's she has no idea. And the kid knows because yes. kids always know. And him in the know. back of the car, just like so, that. It's horrible. It's so. It's properly chilling. Dark. Yeah, it was like yeah, it was it was a really horrific yeah chilling um, ending. I thought it was that, yeah because it was all building up to that. So and that, I think that's what justifies the madness of it is that actually yeah. you're so immersed in the madness that when that ending happens, you're like oh fuck this is this is awful. Yeah yeah it's bleak, yeah it? it's just I, I mean 
the fact that he basically he can't escape the guy who had a crush on him 20 years ago and is murdering <laughs> yes. women and inhabiting yes. their bodies just so he can never be separated from him is yeah. insane. But also, I mean, I'm like, why didn't he notice that her personality is completely changed? Superficial. Why would that, yeah, because he's wildly superficial. Why wouldn't that send their relationship off? Why would he still marry? Because surely there's, <laughs> there's enough of the man inside her. I can't believe this is a phrase I'm using. There's enough of the actual man inside her must slip through that he's... But then maybe he likes that. Maybe he likes that psychopathy <laughs> of him, her. Oh, I mean, is it also, is it offensive? I was thinking... Is it offensive to to gay men? I, you know, I mean, I, I think if you think about it a lot, and you, and you, you uh, some people will no doubt. Course, there's a think sure piece on the is. way from but, someone who's going to say something. Like, but fuck that! I mean, it's hilarious. I think, I think you know, it's psychopathy brilliant. is not relegated to a single group or class of people. Like it's pretty all-purpose, isn't no, it? No, no. But what I was thinking is the presentation. So the way yeah. what I was struck by, and I thought this was done really cleverly, is the version of femininity in the wife in the current day is very controlled but but quite kind of it was a very specific yeah precise style of femininity and w- what yeah. shocked me the first time you see her as a young teenage girl is she's carefree and she's much more kind of natural mm. i suppose and there's a performative femininity to the wife in current time which i think could be offensive because what we're saying is the gay man in, inside her. I think it could be if if you're if you're going to judge it in that way. Yeah, I think yeah. I know what you mean. Yeah, if you, you if you're going to judge it in that, Hang way, on. I do. Offensive to who at this point? I'm confused. To well, gay, in the, to... In the, in the the people who are still offended by you know in Science of the Lambs, the fact that the serial killer in Science of the Lambs is a trans person yeah. in some way, shape, or form, and people are still. Right, you know, every now and then that comes up. As I've never, you know, I, I, I don't take, I can't, I can't take offence at something like that because it's not for me. Yeah. These things are never necessarily saying everyone in anyone is particularly more likely to be a serial mm. killer or a psychopath or take over the body of someone <laughs> if they happen to be gay. <laughs> you know, so yeah, I, I, I think some people will take offence. Mm. Yeah, absolutely, some people will take offence if they start thinking. I actually about think it, it was really way, well but, done because again, it's someone as you say putting on a feminine performance to try and fit yeah. in and not be discovered. Uh, it's yeah, I, I thought it was genius. Yeah, Eve Hewson's Eve yeah. Hewson's performance gets better yeah. and better oh the more you it think really about is. it. It's so late. It? Yeah, because yeah. didn't you go back, Terry? Didn't you go back and watch it again? Because I'm I, yeah. I, I haven't done that yet. I really want to do that. Yeah, because yeah. I want because I was thinking back to kind of her performance and mm. the things she dialed up and then how she changed it because that teenage her is like is I re- I actually remember thinking she's like an entirely different person what happened what traumatic <laughs> yeah. event happened yeah. to change her into the woman she's become and that's what I thought that the, the yeah, whole thing was going to be is this one traumatic event happened and made her cold and hard and psychopathic um but actually it's because she is a completely different yeah. person and I think <laughs> she does an amazing job of of, of making that performance them they're so yeah. diametrically opposed it's so brilliant, yeah. and you're completely right. And when you go back and watch it, all the li- oh my god, it's all there. It's all there, and she does very deliberate things in her performance um, that I think, wait, retrospectively, yeah. because the, what's so good about it is she's not Rob. Then she doesn't seem like Rob because it's Rob deliberately putting on a performance to not seem like Rob. <laughs> yes. Oh. Yes. Can you imagine? I, 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 I really quite want to go back and read the book because I, I wrote, I'm fascinated to see how she, Sarah Pimbra, who, by the way, is was. Have you seen her? She tweeted very 
amusingly about our reviews <laughs> of, the, yeah. of the show. She said, yeah, yeah didn't you, uh, did you miss that? She tweeted me, me about it. And she the pilot, tweeted she, me she, as well. Everyone ignores me she apart tweeted from Tim. Apart from Josh, you, James. The Sorry, James. <laughs> apart from the James Army. She'll join the diehard soon. But she tweeted saying, she quoted us, one of us, I think it's probably, this is fucking deranged, it's my favourite new blur. That was she me. Said, <laughs> which is something, what? There you go. You're not allowed to tell you, you everyone James. else. <laughs> and she said, this made me giggle so much listening to us calling it batshit bonkers, heightened and compelling, and what the fuck am I watching, which is obviously Terry. <laughs> so she's loving it. Oh, that's amazing. She's loving it. Yeah. I wonder if in subsequent, because she's written other novels, so I wonder if in subsequent ones she's got a similar, you know, because obviously when you've done something so bold and daring that has such an impact on readers and then viewers of the drama you're obviously you're encouraged to carry on and find another way of doing a similar thing so i'm fascinated to know whether she has done a similar thing in subsequent books i'm going to check them out right i think that then ends our spoiler discussion of behind her eyes if you are rejoining us now it is safe to do so there will be no more spoilers for that beyond this point but we haven't finished with terry yet because obviously telly for terry is an ongoing concern of ours and i do believe we set you on the path terry toward the leftovers have you made any progress in that regard no because i watched behind your eyes for the second time (laughs) this is the worst segment in the world (laughs) even our listeners are now watching the leftovers along with you in in inverted commas except you are not doing it i know listeners are loving it (laughs) it was either watch the leftovers or watch behind her eyes for the second time and clearly there was only one choice I, I've got a slight suspicion that this time next week it's going to be behind my eyes for the third I time fucking well as well yeah <laughs> versus the leftovers <sighs> yeah sorry James right okay Boyd have you been watching anything other than Britney that you wish to share yes there's one other documentary I wanted to mention which um, has set alight um, social media a little bit when it Class Action Park have you heard of this one? This is, an, this is an HBO documentary that arrived on Sky, a documentary's last week, and got slightly overshadowed by the Britney documentary. Um, but it is an amazing story of the this incredibly dangerous water park in America, um, in, Ver- in the Vernon Township of New Jersey. And it's known for, for years and years and years, it was this kind of wild, liberating uh, water park where you could go and go down these amazing rides. And it, that, that like people would go there for brilliant summer days. And it ended up being the most lethal place to go um, in America, practically. And it tells the story of how lethal and dangerous it was and how there was no regard for people's safety. And people, a lot of people died visiting this water park and, taking, and going on the rides. And it's absolutely an incredible story, brilliantly told um, class action park on Sky Documentaries. Yeah, it's up there with, it's a one-off feature-length documentary. It you may consider it to be a film, James, yes, but it's actually and therefore disqualified. But carry on. Uh, but no, it's <laughs> but it's not. It's a riveting um, documentary. I have not. You'll be shocked to hear watched any riveting documentaries over the last week. Uh, what I have done though is finally get around to watching the whole of the first season of His Dark Materials. So I'm gradually catching up to that point. Oh, I yeah. enjoyed it a great deal. It's very very good. It also, not be funny. Like the production budget is off the chain. Like the CGI in that show is yeah, incredibly great. good. Uh, it must have cost an absolute fortune because there's a demon or a fucking polar bear in every single shot and they're basically photoreal. So, yeah, props to His Dark Materials. I think that's great. So I need to move on to season two now. You should not say off the chain. Can, am, I, am, am I not cool enough to <laughs> say off the chain? Not, you should it's not say banging. off the chain. It's banging. <laughs> off the chain. <laughs> off the chain. Shut up. <laughs> It's extraordinary, Terry. It's absolutely extraordinary. 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 
Hi. Oh, God. Right, anyway. You know what, though? Se- yeah. Season two is even more off the chain. So, is it? Um, is it? Yeah, you've got How, that to Excuse me. To, yeah. And no objection there to Boyd using off the chain? Well, I was no, using Boyd can it, use ironically, it. quoting you, wasn't I, for mm. fuck's sake? Boyd it's can different. use it. Boyd's cooler Thanks. than, than uh, I mean, that's both fair. of us. I think that's fair. Yeah. And have you watched the new the new um, WandaVision episode? Oh this yes, Friday. Oh yes, oh, no, yes. No, no, oh, no yes. spoilers. No, don't worry. No spoilers for WandaVision. No spoilers. We have a separate podcast for that, which you can mm-hmm. subscribe to now for the lower price of two pounds ninety nine a month, or a value packed annual price that I can't remember but uh, it's it's definitely worth subscribing to our spoiler special podcast not least of all because we bang on about WandaVision and let's be honest Falcon and the Winter Soldier when it comes out every single Monday uh, as well as lots of other films and things and stuff and it's anarchic and it's great plus the Empire Symphony Orchestra does a different rendition of the Marvel fanfare at the beginning of every single WandaVision episode and they are quite something I even brought my guitar <laughs> to the last one you'd be pleased to know oh, I bet you did so yes, that wasn't a setup for you to bang on about that, by the okay, way. I was just saying, you know, I really like the WandaVision. I really like episode seven of WandaVision, and particularly the ending, which is brilliantly um, done. I'd love the, the ending of it. Fair enough. Well, you but can you subscribe to the Spoiler Specials at empire.supportingcast.fm or go to empireonline.com slash spoiler specials. Anyway, let's move on to this week's listener question. And this comes from Stevie the TV, who I'm assuming is not in fact a TV. But what he wants to know is what books would you love to see made into a series that haven't already? I will say I will start and... Your book I'm is disqualified, say, Terry. You're not allowed yeah. to say that. Also, it is being made into a TV series, so <laughs> yeah, also yeah. true. Um, I would say Lashes, a Booker Prize winner. Um, Shuggy Bane by Douglas Stewart. James, it's right up your street. <laughs> Set in Glasgow tenements in the early oh 80s. A story of sexuality, poverty and addiction. Are you in? That sounds brilliant. It's amazing. Perhaps some it's kind my... of six-part documentary series. It was my favourite book of last year. It's beautiful and brutal and if somebody isn't making it into a film or a tv show i will eat my own fist quite frankly wow has it not been confirmed that, uh, that anyone is making it yet that's no yeah okay is that you're just picking that's one it. book terry's giving us one book no. and then moving on no well uh that one and i also uh adults by emma jane unsworth which Obviously, Emma Jane Unsworth's books have been made into films before. So, Animals, I don't know if you guys remember. Yes, She indeed. actually was great. a novelist. She's a screenwriter. She, I think she won the Biffa for that, which was her first script, which is amazing. Um, and Adults was her book out last year. Um, she's got such a brilliant eye for, um, for women, for friendships in particular, and that book is brilliant so those are my two i chose two very good no sci-fi for me yeah i've gone full in sci-fi yes good tonight. man well at least i've gone speculative fiction i think it's called i've gone for the yiddish policeman's union mm. which is one of my all-time favorite books of all time by michael chabon who worked on of course star trek Picard, but is best known as an amazing novelist and the uh, Yiddish Policeman's Union is a kind of um, mixture of speculative fiction, an alternate world where instead of Israel being established in the Middle East, in Palestine, there's a Zionist entity, a temporary Zionist entity for the Jews to escape the Holocaust, established on in Alaska, on the Alaskan coast. And it means that there's this whole world that changes the future of America and it changes the future of the world, and it cha- particularly for Jewish people. And it's, a, and it's also a kind of crime high crime thriller as well, kind of written in a almost like Raymond Chandler-esque way. And it was going to be a film by the Coen brothers like ages ago, 
um, five, six, seven years ago, and that ne that never happened. And it's now supposed to be in development as a t big TV series, which Michael Jabon himself is involved in. But I haven't had any. That was announced like about a year ago, but I haven't had any news on that. I was checking it out, but I'm desperate for this to be a massive, lavish um, Netflix or HBO series, which I think it would be amazing and mind blowing. So that's one. And my other one ones are. Samuel R. Delaney, this is a personal thing. I might tell this incredibly self-aggrandizing story. But Samuel R. Delaney is one of the great science fiction writers of all time. Is and he there with I you now? Is this what this is? He's not here with me now, but I was a student of his. He taught comparative literature at the University of Massachusetts Amherst when I was there for a year as a year abroad in my degree, which was American Studies, when I was 20 years old in 1987. <laughs> Right. And he was this incredible influence on me. And he was a brilliant, brilliant guy. And he's one of the great science fiction writers of all time. And none, to my knowledge, none of his novels have ever been adapted for film and TV. They are quite difficult and they're massively complicated. But there's one like Dahlgren is one, which is set in a um it's set in a kind of city in America that is isolated from the rest of the world and no one knows it's there for various reasons. And it's and it's like mind blowing and mind bending. Um and I just like to see one. He's like seventy-eight now, nearly seventy-nine, eighty. I just like to see one of his incredible books turned into a, a massive TV series. And the, the other thing that I was going to say about him is that he put out a, a book of memoirs about um, two years ago, and he mentioned me in them. He actually said, um, <laughs> "TV's Boyd Hilton, my wonder student Boyd Hilton from thirty Aww. years ago." He remembered me from thirty years ago. So I fuck. He is an incredible figure in my life, and I really, really want one of his books to be made into a TV show. Wow, soon. that's impressive. I am impressed. Thanks. Okay. Never read either of those books, but I approve of your choices. Needless to say, I have about 15 of these, but I will try and whittle it down for you just for your own sanity. Jack Reacher and the Wheel of Time would clearly be on my list if they weren't already being made, which they are. Um, one that was is, I don't know if you guys remember, so uh, Patrick Rothfuss is... Hang on, hang on, stop. Let <laughs> me yeah, just stop I know. this. Yeah. this. Yeah. So what? is this another example of James completely ignoring the question and yeah, just talking already. about yeah. whatever he wants no, to talk about? No, no, well, it is I not. Well, I would say this, but... But they're already being made into it, but I'm going to mention it anyway. I was going to Amazing. say, so I'm going to say The Name of the Wind, which is the first of the King Killer Chronicles by Patrick Rothfuss. This was being made into a TV series. Uh, it was going to Showtime. Lin-Manuel Miranda was involved. I think Sam Raimi was involved at one point. And it stalled, and I don't think it's happening. Like, I think uh, Showtime have given it up and Lionsgate are shopping it around, but I don't know. To the best of my knowledge, it doesn't have a home yet, which is a real shame. I absolutely love it. But that said, there are two of the three books written, and the third one shows no sign of ever appearing, so that may actually be for the best for the time being um but that those are those are really good in terms of fancy that's one of the you know if you, you're talking f sort of contemporary fantasy royalty the king killer chronicles are very much up there uh what else would i like to see made i mean weirdly like when i see movie adaptations of books that i love coming i'm always a bit disappointed now whereas i used to love it because i just think the kind of books i love do not lend themselves to you know, a two or even three hour movie, they lend themselves to sprawling, great serialized shows. The only possible exception, and I still think we've made a better better TV show, is The Sparrow by Mary Doria Russell, which is my favorite book of all time, uh, which is a science fiction book about a Jesuit priest who joins an expedition to a uh, sort of a foreign planet to search for the origin of a signal that is detected. And they see there are two sentient species of life on this planet, one predator and one prey. And it's all about faith and evil and what it is to 
be a human and it, i mean it's really dark terry you'd probably like it except for there are spaceships mm. um but yeah it's it's pretty <laughs> unpleasant in places but it's very layered very theological i love that that's fantastic its sequel children of god is also very good indeed what else would i like to see big epic hbo type series i want to see brandon sanderson's the stormlight archive adapted um admittedly he said it's going to be a 10-part series split into two sort of five-book cycles. He's only written the first four, which would worry, I would say, most people who want to adapt things. That said, he's the most prolific author on the planet, so he'll probably finish them all sometime within the next week. What's his name? Brandon Sanderson. Yeah, he's only taken so long getting the current Stormlight archive finished because he writes about five other books in between each installment of this series. Uh, he writes... A lot. So he's like the um, like George R. R. Martin of. He's the, uh, uh, the very much the opposite of George R. R. Martin. Like he will put out ten books in the time it takes George to do one. Okay. Um, <laughs> no, and I'm not. That's literally not an exaggeration either. I'm not just throwing that figure out there. Come on, Terry, you look Can like I you're say, about to you're about to filibuster. Can I just say that like you're. Totally pure giddy enthusiasm for this shit actually warms my heart. When I see you about to, when you've got your little list this and shit. I can see you like gathering your breath to tell us about it, and you're like, and then it just like it properly makes my heart kind of warm. Yeah. James. That doesn't warm your heart enough for you to actually listen and stop doing your emails. But I appreciate the thought. The fact that Tony's not even looking at the camera while I'm talking; she's just doing something else entirely. I'm so used to it now. It's That's fine. Just- that's because it's all like much of a muchness, isn't it? Yes. Once you get going. <laughs> it's heartwarming. Your heart soars at the much of a muchness. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Right. Well, okay, I've got more for you. So if we're talking like great fantasy series, I'm saying, you know, the Stormlight Ike of Yes, I'm saying the Realm of the Elderlings saga, which specifically starts oh, with... this is what we want. Yeah, we go. This Realms is what of the we're Elderlings. Here. This so, is what we're here for. So this is Robin Hobb, and this may be, or certainly one of my favourite fantasy series. It starts with Assassin's Apprentice. It's sent to several modules. There's the Assassin's Trilogy, there's the Live Ship Trilogy, and then there's more, more, more. There's fucking tons of these books in total. But they're really, really good with fantastic characters and world-building in it. I very much enjoyed those. Uh, the Demon Cycle... Uh, by Peter V. Brett. It's also very, very good. Uh, I recommend you're, you're just looking at your bookshelf. Uh, I am, because it's to my right yeah. now. I'm just looking yeah. across. What would yeah. I like to see yeah. made? Listeners, he's literally looking at his Temeraire bookshelf. is really good. And Peter Jackson was going to adapt that for the cinema at one point. And it's it's set in the Napo- Napoleonic Wars, but there are dragons. Uh, and it's just um, talking dragons, obviously. Uh, but that's really cool as a kind of alternate history story. I enjoy that by uh, Naomi Novik. Uh, and also the other one I would pick is The Descent. The Descent is a book by Jeff Long, which I just kind of stumbled across once. He did do a sequel for it, but it wasn't as good. And it's kind of set in like our world, but they discover this sort of network of underground tunnels sort of beneath the earth, deep beneath the earth. And there's a sort of another species of humans, the Homo hedalis, uh, who are these kind of subterranean Morlock-type creatures who are abducting people and dragging them <laughs> under the ground. But it's really good. And they, they they go down into the sort of caverns, the catacombs, to sort of seek out these people. And again, it has lots of religion and theology and, you know, satanic imagery in there. But that's really good as well. And I think that would make a fantastic adaptation. Someone should give me a job adapting books for Netflix. It's basically what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> So about subterranean warlocks. Yes, about yeah. subterranean yeah. warlocks. Yes, indeed. Yeah. That there are many, many books uh, that I would like to see adapted. They are almost all of, of a genre. Okay. Well, 
uh, Stevie the TV. I hope my in-depth answer and Terry's cursory, barely <laughs> present answer was enough to satisfy you and Boyd's shameless plugging of his own famous friends. Uh, if you would like us to treat your question with a similar similar delicacy, then do feel free to send it to us at Pilot TV Pod on Twitter via DM or to me at James C. Dyer on Twitter or Instagram. Now it is time for a quick break so you can hear from our sponsor. This week's uh, sponsor does not follow a diatribe where I decry documentaries in totality before going on to promote one uh, because irony has died. Uh, we'll be back in a minute. We're back. So, shall we move on to this week's news? We have already discussed the big news of the week, that the Winx saga will be returning for season two, so we can skip over that, I guess. What else have we got? Well, the most exciting news of the week, I think, is uh, the Mr. and Mrs. Smith TV adaptation news mm. um, that I don't know if anyone saw coming, but it actually makes <laughs> entirely perfect, brilliant, beautiful sense, which is Donald Glover and Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Um, are going to be Mr. and Mrs. Smith in a TV adaptation. And this is kind of, well, not necessarily a TV adaptation, but um, it's kind of been whirling for years. There was a Doug Lyman version um, that only made it to pilot stage. Um, there was talk of a movie reboot at Fox, and then obviously, you know, Fox was no longer Fox. Um, and they're going to be working with Francesca Sloan of Atlanta and Fargo. Um, she's going to show run the series the same next year on Amazon. Um, I mean, those two together, it's got to be dynamite, right? Really? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, yeah, the film's actually good and a little bit, I think, underrated. Is it? Uh, that was a Simon Kinberg script. Is that Simon? Yeah, it's good. It's, yeah, it's a good film. It's a good Is film. It I really it? like it. It kind of got drowned in the whole Brangelina controversy at the time, didn't it? So that, that became the main thing that people took away from it. But, yeah, it was a lot of fun. I mean, I'd watch both Donald Glover and Phoebe Waller-Bridge in basically anything. Mm. But, yeah, I'm thinking of this as just a, like a solo reunion. It's interesting that she, she's credited as co-creator as well, I think. And I don't think he is. So mm. I wonder whether... Because mm. someone said to me on Twitter, oh, is she going to be writing much of it? It's not clear, is it? But she's not showrunning it, but, you know. No. Well, Empire yeah. magazine reported ah. that, that the pair of them are creating it with her. Okay. Um, oh, okay. But, I, I mean, what do they know? Yeah. Not exactly. It's mm. almost certainly inaccurate. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, dear. Did you see the casting news for Conversations with Friends? The normal oh, people. Yes. I didn't know. Yeah, that was announced. Yeah. Um, so this is the from the team of Broadway's Normal People. This is the yeah. TV version of Sally Rooney's novel, which I think was before Normal People, wasn't it? This was her yeah. first yes. book. Have either of you read it? I haven't read it. I haven't. I no. have. Not as good. Oh, really? Interesting. <laughs> wow, okay. That's it. Terry has completely written it off. I mean, it was always going to happen, right? Because Normal People was such yeah. an extraordinary smash. That extraordinary. I, extraordinary. <laughs> it's such an extraordinary smash that I, I, there was no way they wouldn't do that. But it, and it's, it's still, it's very much her and her voice, but it's, it's right. yeah. So it's going to. That's interesting. Yeah, no, I was. I was fascinated. I am fascinated. To, I need. I need to read it. Um, but it stars Alison Oliver is the big newcomer. She's she's the main character apparently, and she um comes from the same drama school as Paul Meskell, which is interesting. Then you've got Sasha Lane, who is brilliant. She was in uh, American Honey. Jemima Kirk from from Girls, yeah. who is amazing. 
Um, and the main dude is Joe Orwin, who I like to refer to as um, the – who's his famous girlfriend? Oh, this Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift, oh. yeah. <laughs> yeah, Taylor Swift, Mr. Taylor Swift. Um, so he's, he's also obviously an actor and a human being in his own right, but um, he is, he's uh, the main dude in it. Nick, handsome but reserved actor, is his character. And it's mm. being created by the same team and uh, Lenny. I don't never know how to pronounce Lenny's Lenny uh, thing. He's last night as well, but he's directing it. Like he's co-directing it. Like he did normal people. Lenny Abramson. Him. That's the one. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Other thing that's happening this week, we should probably mention, is Star launches on the 23rd. That's kind of big news, isn't it? Uh, we'll be getting on to some of their original... I say original shows. They're calling them original shows. They fucking aired on Hulu first. They're kind of not original, but you know yeah. what I mean. Um, <laughs> fucking but, aired uh, on Hulu first. But, it, but this is an interesting thing. So Disney+, Plus, which has been family-friendly fun up until now, will have Star now as part of its uh, rollout, so your kids can access adult, inappropriate content at their whim. So <laughs> that's fun. Um, there are did you watch... Funny you should say that, because did you watch the, um, the launch of it. They had this big the, launch. The launch presentation, yes. Yeah. And many people asked that question. How do I stop my uh, yeah. kids watching sweary they porn? Were, but they're, classic Disney style, they were banging on about how you can stop your kids watching watching adult stuff. Yes. They, they were very, yeah. clearly very There's concerned. There's strict boob controls on yeah. Star. Well, also, can we, I, I mean, I don't want to jump ahead, but like, I don't understand why Love, Victor is... Oh, uh, yeah, I know. I know what you're saying. Yeah. Isn't that... That speaks to something, I think, slightly yes. more problematic, yes, doesn't, doesn't it? it? Like, we'll they seem to, to that, think yeah. because it's an LGBT show, somehow it's now adult material, which yeah. is incredibly regressive Indeed. thinking. Indeed, which is um, fascinating, yeah. But it does launch with a load of classic shows, so I should mention, of those, my picks are... So Atlanta, Sons of Anarchy, 24, Lost, X-Files, Prison Break, meh, Grey's Anatomy, meh, uh, Ugly <laughs> Betty, <laughs> Scandal's on there, that's loads of fun, Glee, Scrubs, there's quite a lot of really good shit, Desperate Housewives, Blackish is on there too, so if... If you're looking for big old shows that are really good in their day to binge, that's quite a bit on there. Yeah, there's. I mean, there is genuinely loads of classic stuff, isn't there? Yeah. Mum is officially um, ending with season eight. Do you see this? Oh, uh, yeah. 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 The Az and Janice series. Uh, I must admit, it being a comedy, I don't watch it. But lots <laughs> of people seem to like it an awful lot. I think there was hope that it would get, uh, we'd get a ninth season, but that's now not happening. Terry, in particular, looks devastated by this news. <laughs> it does go along with my theory that the decline of the American, big American sitcom, yeah. they're all dying yeah. off. Because Brooklyn Nine Nine is also dying. Is, is, That's right. Is, is yeah. Finishing. Uh, so it's what like are the big ones still going. Sitcoms. I guess it's always Sunny in Philadelphia, which is now the I think the longest running. I mean, that's been going forever. Live action it? sitcom ever is still going, isn't it? But that like isn't really. It's not like a huge big mainstream hit here. But in terms of those huge big mainstream hits, I don't know. Big Bang Theory is that gone now? <laughs> is that still going? Oh yeah, that's gone. That's gone. Yeah. Oh, that's gone. Right. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know which ones there are. There are there are hardly any. Yeah, it's quite sad, I think. Uh, what else is happening in the world? Um, did either of you watch... I mean, I don't know why I'm asking Terry this. Boy, did you ever watch Constantine, the CW Constantine series? Yeah, I watched a little bit of it, yeah. Yeah, so I don't okay. watch any of the kind of Arrowverse shows or really the, any of the DC adaptation no. stuff. I mean, I've watched the first ones, I think, of most of them. But uh, Constantine, I watched a few of just because I'm a big fan of the character and I really like the film. But uh, that did not work and that obviously got cancelled. But HBO Max are apparently circling this again uh, and they're talking of doing something. They might be, they were going to do another film at one point, but now it's looking like they might do a new Constantine series. Whether or not that will in any way overlap with these, because the character kind of appears in Sandman. So whether or not there'll be any kind of connection tissue there i've absolutely no idea probably not but uh but it's good it's good character good story that should be a lot of fun yeah yep good to see you're yep. as enthused as i am um yeah terry <laughs> what would you like to what would interest you terry like how can i get you to 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 be to engaged engage with what, two, what, what, TV what news. kind of news could i bring you that would interest you <laughs> something 
interesting. I love that, that we're so scraping the barrel that you go, this show that none of us watch and we've never talked about is getting cancelled. Hang the fuck? on. Who gives a fuck? Let's talk, about the sh- let's talk about the good shows on telly this week. Oh the interesting news of the week, which is not pilot, I know it's not pilot TV uh, on brand, but I have to say, for me, the most interesting news of the week was that Anne Robinson's the new fucking host of Countdown. Which I what? If you really How want. did I miss yes. it? See? See? Oh my God. Terry's excited, right? That's proper TV news. Yeah, oh Anne Robinson. But who what is... a change. What a change because yeah. you had Richard Whiteley, yeah. who was the right. soft granddad. <laughs> it's no offense, yeah. Is he alive? Is he dead? <laughs> no, he's dead. He's dead. Okay. <laughs> no offense. And, and then Nick, right? He yeah, was like, yeah. you know, again, friendly, genial. And now you've got Anne Robinson, who, yeah. if you ever see those um, clips that somebody occasionally puts on Twitter of her worst, weakest link insults. Yes. She yes. was horrendous. Horrendous. Would, yeah. There was, what are they thinking? One of those clips, one of those clips was on, well, yeah, was, was as part, I think there's a kind of a wave, isn't there, of like, of, of of people highlighting clips of wildly inappropriate discourse on TV, but for the Britney Spears one, yeah. um, there was the Lindsay Lohan David Letterman interview, which was unbelievable, yeah. makes it unbelievable viewing now. And similarly, Anne Robinson treating a young working class woman on the Weakest Link back in the day with horrendous because her thing. I've, I I was on the episode of the Weakest Link, by the way, and um, of course you were. Yeah. Of course you yeah. were. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Was it Celebrity Weakest Link? It was, it was the Celebrity Weakest Link, oh unbelievably. Yeah. And um, Jonathan Ross's brother, what's his name? He won. And, Paul um, Ross. Paul Ross was on it. Yeah. It was and um, but watching it was like a five hour filming thing, and it, she 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 basically she would go off, and her writing team would write insulting quips. For her, for each person taking part, <laughs> and it was an incredible process to see enact. And but, she, but she was horrible, genuinely horrible to people yeah. on that show. What did she that say to you, Boyd? What did she? What? How did she insult you? My, I think mine was mild. She was like, I was like an aging bald guy working on a on a on a magazine for young people, which is kind of. You know, True. Bit, I thought it was a bit weak sauce, really. True, <laughs> but a bit not. I mean, who cares? You know. Yeah. <laughs> but she went for it with other people much more, much more than me. Um. But but yeah. But her doing countdown is such a weird combination. A really weird combination. I'm so, yeah. unclear how we've got onto this. <laughs> because I was thinking of genuinely interesting TV news. Yeah, because all right, all right, you fine. said, what can I do to get you engaged, yeah. Terry? Okay, and fair we- enough. Yep, you're right. I did ask for that. <laughs> all right, fine. Well, I will round up what the rest is happening. Uh, Archie Punjabi is joining the cast of Snowpiercer for season three. Obviously, I'm the only one who watches Snowpiercer, but it's great and I love it and I'm glad that she's going to be in it. Bridgerton is adding Simone Ashley from Sex Education to season two. Uh, and the most notable part of that is how she's introduced as Helen O'Hara shared on the Empire podcast is she gets stung on the bosom by a bee and the gentleman with her tries to suck out the venom is caught and the two have to get married to end the scandal so if that's not the best introduction of any character ever I don't know what is so Simone Ashley coming to Bridgerton season two and finally I would mention that Simon Pegg and Nick Frost's comedy Truth Seekers has been canned by Amazon you really did go through those stories in a slightly passag seriously. I know how bored Terry gets, you know, I wanted to get through it so she didn't wander off and start making a tea or something. 
<laughs> that was great. Right. That was really good. That's the end of news. <laughs> which news is now which is now gonna be now gonna be reclassified as information that lasts as long as Terry's attention span. <laughs> On now to this week's reviews. And we're gonna start with Big Sky. And Big Sky debuted in the US a few months back. This comes from the pen of David E. Kelly, and it stars former Shield maiden Catherine Winnick, as well as Ryan Philippe and Kylie Bunbury, and concerns the fate of two sisters who fall foul of a sinister big rig truck while on the ro- while on a road trip to visit the elder one's boyfriend although that synopsis does absolutely nothing if i'm honest with you in telling you what this show actually is isn't that right terry who is now applying lipstick using her webcam <laughs> so i have been very excited to talk about this for the last 24 hours so after behind her eyes last week this is what the fuck part two um so you think you know what this is going to be because there's a mention of big little lies in in a lot of the marketing material. It is David E. Kelly. I can't believe you said it's from the pen of David E. Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> from the pen of, yeah. From the pen of. The scribe. Of scribe. <laughs> <laughs> I, I should be flattered you were at least listening. So, I mean, there's that. Um, yeah. Uh, and it's nothing like Big Little Lies at all. And I honestly can't say if this show is successful or if I actually like it. It's probably got a little bit more in common with The Undoing in terms of uh, its slight tonal difficulties is how I'll describe it. So it's it is based on a set of novels by um, CJ Box. Can you know also what kind of name is that? CJ Box, <laughs> not a real name. Um, and the story, as you, it's kind of as you said, but it's there's there's this love triangle. It starts off with a love triangle. You've got this woman who's a former copper, played by um, Catherine Winnick. She finds out her estranged husband, played by Ryan Felipe, has been having uh, an affair with her best mate played by Kylie Bunbury, who also happens to be a partner in the PI um, business that they have set up, both presumably after leaving uh, the police force. But they can't sort that out because their son's girlfriend and his sister have gone missing on en route to Montana where they were coming to visit him. Now, they have been kidnapped along with a transgender sex worker, and we'll get to all of this in a minute, by a truck driver. And it turns out that women have been going missing for years, but mainly sex workers. So who cares? Because this program is brilliant at going, women are whores or they're wholesome. Which one are you? Because if you're a whore, you might get killed too. Um, This walks a very wobbly line between trash, pulp and serious drama. I can't say it stays on that line. There is the clang of cliches everywhere. So there is someone with a very Norman Bates relationship with his mother. There are very privileged teenage girls. One of those girls is wearing glasses. And when I saw her, I thought, please don't do the broken glasses on the floor shot. And there was a broken glasses on the floor shot. Now, there are issues with this show, right? And I will say the what the fuck thing is, there is a massive twist that we will not discuss, but I did not see coming, and I gasped out loud. <laughs> Same here. Gasped. And it made me watch the second, I should say, I've seen both um, the first Same two here. episodes, and it drove me to watch, because I was like, you, because <laughs> what we won't discuss who it is, but 
you learn very quickly who's guilty. There's no kind of central mystery because everything's yeah. laid out, who the bad guy is. Uh, so there's no sense of mystery in terms of who it is. It's really about them trying to rescue these girls. The problem is this show really luxuriates in how graphic it is. So yeah. from a bar brawl between the two women who literally punch each other in the face, while, by the way, stand by your man plays, just in case it, you know you weren't really getting the significance. It's, it's nothing even not subtle. There's a very graphic sex scene. The kidnap scene is incredibly violent. There's there's so much taser in this program. <laughs> Overuse of taser, I would say. We understand what it does. We understand how it can be used to physically uh, restrain women. You don't need to show it me 47 times. There's so much gratuitous violence against women. There's a bit where the kidnapper tra- tries to essentially restrain all the women and just like goes around tasering them and punching them in the face, uh, which is massively awful to watch. Yeah. And so it's it it and that's what I mean when I say it doesn't always work the walk the line very well because there were bits that made me massively uncomfortable that I found incredibly difficult to watch. The performances in this are, I mean, hammy as fuck. Let's be frank. Uh, there's no subtlety in the storytelling whatsoever, but I kept watching it, which probably yeah. makes me a terrible person. It does. But I did exactly the same thing for exactly the same reasons. I had decided halfway through the first episode I was done with this. I was not watching any more of it. I didn't like it at all. And then that twist happens, and I was like, you absolute twat. So now yeah. I have to watch the next episode, and I did. Um, the thing with this that I found is it's exactly as you say. It's really trashy uh, to the point where it's just it's silly, and you think this is going to be fun. But then it's got this this trashy veneer with this really sadistic misogynistic undertone running through it which is really unsettling yeah and it's very upsetting and there's also a scene where john carroll lynch eats soup really noisily which just made me want to <laughs> hurt someone but i thought i knew you would hate this do you know what when i was watching it and i was like james is gonna hate this because it is <laughs> it's it's deeply misogynistic it's so horrible this really really rubbed me up the wrong way and yet was compelling enough that I kept on watching it because it really wrong foots you. And I love Catherine Winnick and I think she's really, really good in yeah. everything. And so I very much enjoyed seeing her do it. And I want I wanted to see how this unfolded. But also, like it it, it does that awful thing. And I can't really go into the reasons why, because I don't want to spoil any kind of plot stuff. But you know, the politics of it are problematic as well. I certainly become far more so in the second uh in the second episode. And you know, the lack of subtlety actually amplifies there's a scene at the end of the second episode again i'm not going to spoil this for you which just feels so unspeakably cliched with the character archetype they're dealing with at that point that i just thought oh god this is like being slapped around the head by a giant slab of concrete um and it's just yeah no sorry boyd what do you think it's absolute absolute fucking trash i mean it is it, i i was watching it and i couldn't i, I kept thinking what the fuck how did david e kelly make this thing how did he write this thing why has he written it and why has he decided that this i mean who knows what the cj box the brilliantly named <laughs> cj box original do you think that's books, where the tonal unevenness comes well, from I don't maybe know. it's I'm something from the books know. but it's it's absolute it is like it was made in terms of its sexual politics particularly 
It's yeah. like it was made in 1992 or something. Yeah. And, you know... I'm, it makes Taken look progressive. <laughs> I can only think that he's trying to do a modern-day Twin Peaks, and that is very much underlined by the fact that the title image, when the title mm. Big Sky comes up, it's over mountains. It looks exactly the same as when the Twin Peaks title came up in that show in 1999. But Twin Peaks' sexual politics were never <laughs> as bad as this. <laughs> no, I know. Twin Peaks but also, like- There's a scene in the first episode of this where John Carroll Lynch, who's a state trooper, tries to help someone get out of the mud in his yeah. Tesla. Yeah. That felt very Twin exactly. Peaksian to exactly. me. Yeah. Almost deliberately and, so. And John Carroll Lynch is such a certain type of actor. I love him. He's brilliant. But there's no way you're going to, you know, I mean, he he is amazing. It's brilliant to see him. Did you see, by the way, have you heard the um, brilliant discussion between, um, between David Fincher and, uh, you know, the West Wing creator, Aaron Sorkin. Aaron Sorkin, about, in which they talk about John Carroll Lynch. It's really funny. No. They both love him. They're, yeah, they talk about, because John Carroll Lynch is in um, Aaron Sorkin's film, and they talk about the, and they talk about him. It's fascinating. They both absolutely fucking love him. They talk about, you know, oh, how they do anything yeah. with him, and he is amazing. So he's like one of the main reasons to watch this show. But it's just terrible. It's, it, it's, 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 <laughs> It's genuinely terrible, I think, and and you can see that all you can see that all he's trying to do is get you to that point of that of the twist, yeah. which is so in a way, yeah, all right, it works, it absolutely works, but it's also so cheap and like a way of getting us to watch the next episode. Yeah, that I feel like I don't feel it, it, it deserves any plaudits for doing that. Do you know what I mean? I feel like it's not particularly brilliantly clever or smart or anything. It's not even fun like the Undoing that, that Terry mentioned. No. I, I feel it's like not fun enough. It's not. It's fun. It's weirdly, even though it's incredibly pulpy and shitty and basic and trashy, it's not in a fun way. And I think it is no. that the tasering and all of that and the unpleasantness. And I, I'm the last person to be bothered generally by unpleasantness. You know, I love a bit of unpleasantness. But <laughs> there's something about it, this, the tone of this show that just doesn't work. It does not work. Mm. It's not fun to watch. And so even I also watched the second episode for exactly the same reasons. And even though I guess it's getting to the point where the females are more um, prioritised in the second episode, it still doesn't work. And it's still, are you still like, why the fuck is David E. Kelly doing this yeah. thing yeah it's um, it's a mystery it's mystifying to me oh, no he does take wrong steps i think you know i think that's that's fair enough you know you could even say that you know big little lies season two wasn't exactly perfect but i still enjoyed it a lot more than this thing i mean and by the way one more thing this is abc prime time this is not like this is not hulu you know this has been this was made for the network this is network viewing and it's that unpleasant i was really surprised it's a, it's a mainstream proposition, and it's fucking. As Terry was pointing out, you know, in terms of the 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 um the violence and you know, etc. It it's out there. It's quite out there. So yeah, I mean, it is surprisingly shit. But it, it also it lulls you into a full sense of security. You get in, you think you know what you've signed on for. You think, oh, this is just trash. Like this will be quite fun. It's going to be easy. Mm. It's going to be you know. You think you know what it is, and then I remember when it. When it not in the twist, like when it totally wrong foots you, when it goes quite unpleasant, yeah. I just wrote, "What the fuck is this show?" Like I don't understand what I'm watching. I feel like I've changed the channel, and it just flips backwards and forwards. And I just think you can't put that level of you know sadistic misogyny alongside goofy, trashy fun times. It just yeah. it it actually makes you know it worse. Like if the tone yeah. had been bleak, you'd almost accept it more. It's 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 low points remind me of Ryan Murphy at his worst, like the mother son <laughs> relationship, yeah. right? The psychos. That's, that's awful. Just it's just awful. It's just badly yes. done. And it, yeah. you don't believe it for a second. You know, the no. mother's so horrible to him. It's like, why? Why are you being like that? It's, it just doesn't make any sense. Whereas, oh, there's just, you know, I mean, the bedroom scene. There's a, there's a scene where he yeah. gets out of oh, bed in the dear. middle of the night. 
and he goes in her room and above her bed is a portrait she's had painted of herself in her youth, which is lit with a halo. And then she climbs into bed next to her and she holds him to her breast. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Because I didn't need to see him get physically get into bed with his deranged mother. But here's the awful thing, because you're right, Boyd. It's incredibly cheap. The narrative manipulation is like is so out there, but I I don't know if I'm if I'm not going to not watch continue are you watching gonna, it. You don't know if you're not going to not. Are you going to carry on watching it? Yeah. I don't know if I'm not going to not watch it. I don't know if I'm not going to not. I know what you mean. I I but I don't feel a great compulsion to carry on watching it. I have to say, unlike I did with the Undoing, for example, you know, yeah. which was trashy, and it was also trashy. But there is a fine line between trash that is. You desperately want to carry on watching it, and I, I don't feel that with this. It's definitely like, uh, maybe, but but I, I don't think so. Well, that is Big Sky, and uh, Big Sky drops on Star, which is on Disney+, Plus on Tuesday, February the 23rd. Next this week, we have the glorious return of Unforgotten. This is Chris Lang's cold case drama, and it is back, back, back with Sanjeev Bhaskar and Nicola Walker digging up another long-forgotten body, although complicated this time around because Walker's DCI Cassie Stewart has been off on extended sick leave after the previous case took its toll. Still, she soon gets sucked back in, uh, this time by a marathon bar and a fridge. Boydie, has Unforgotten still got it? Fuck yeah. This is more like it. <laughs> um, I love Unforgotten. I'll just say it now. I'm, I think it's great. It's I love amazing. The, it's, it, the, it's a really smart format. So the format is, which has been established since the first series, and this is the full series, um, by Chris Lang, the creator and writer, um, is that it's a cold case. You're introduced to a cold case, a body, and generally a corpse is found somewhere um, in, in a trash heap this time around, with, with decapitated, um, quite quite impressively decapitated. And um, your detec- our detective duo, um, played by Nicola Walker and Sanjeev Bhaskar, are the ones investigating it. They're specialised in cold cases and they're investigating it. And while the investigation unfolds, you're introduced one by one to the main suspects. You're introduced to these characters and you and it slowly threads together how they're connected to the case um, in a very smart, clever, deliberate way. And I think Chris Lang's really good at establishing character, making mm. these people often relatable, you know, and you're kind of like, oh, yeah. So there's a character in this one played by Susan Lynch whose mother is incredibly overbearing in a believable way, unlike the fucking one <laughs> in Big Sky. <laughs> um, and... <laughs> And he's very good at drawing these characters and then slowly knitting together how they're connected and how they are suspects in the main case until you get to the point six episodes later um, where it all where you find out which of them is the killer and 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 it's 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 just a really effective for me clever narrative device um, premise of the show so I think that works brilliantly and I think it works it all everything about the show from series one onwards they've all been directed by the same guy. Andy Wilson's directed all the episodes and it's all shot and edited and put together absolutely at the service of the storytelling, at the service of the story, to make it convincing, to make you believe in the characters, to make you believe in the in, in the detectives. I think Sanjeev Basco and Nicole are brilliant together. They're not, they're completely unshow-offy. Do you know what I mean? They're not, they're very, it's almost like, sometimes it's like you feel like they're downplaying everything. You know, you've got him with his little rucksack, you know, which is car- carries along everywhere. They're very, uh, they're kind of unassuming, but these two detectives, they support each other, they're friends. They don't really have that much conflict really between, between them. They have conflict in their in their private lives which you see some of and yeah. she and brilliantly i thought at the end of the last series which was the most extreme crime 
that they depicted. And I won't mm. spoil it if anyone wants to go back and watch all, all the series so far. They're really on, good season three. Really good series. series. But that had it was such an awful crime in that, and that and that fact that it did impact on Nicola Walker's character was felt so good and true because you don't see detectives three series of detectives you're like she's impervious. She she's always been affected by um, the crimes and how and, and the murders and how they affect the people involved, how they affect the relatives, etc. And for her to suffer, you know, mental illness as a result of her job and as a result of particularly the the crime she investigated in the last series really works. I think it's really interesting and important to show that and how she's drawn in this time around because the police treat her badly because her bosses won't support her and, won't, and you know, that's why she has to get involved back, back in, in the case and that's why she's back drawn into um, uh, to her job with Sanjeev Baskar, kind of trying to help her all the way through. So for all those reasons, I think it really, really works for me. It's a bit, for me, it's like, a, a, it's been, it's the closest that detective drama gets without going over the top. And it's hardly heightened and it's not trying to be flashy. And, and so it's got that, it's kind of learns lessons, I think, from shows like 24 Hours in Police Custody, um, which which show you what, poli- what the police are really like, because they're always much more unassuming, if that makes sense, than they are in TV dramas. And yeah. I think this is the show that captures that. These are normal people, professional people who know what they're doing. They occasionally make mistakes, but most of the time they're just trying to work out what the fuck's going on in a professional, calm you know, manner, and I and it just and I think it works so well. It's so confident, I think, in in what it sets out to do, and I think it achieves it really well. And in this, the, and, and in this opening episode, we've only seen the opening episode of this story, which is about how the people are connected to to the crime of the decapitated body. And by the end of it, it's you're absolutely compelled to carry on watching it as oh, hooked m- much mm. more than in Big Sky, but it's also not a load of old <laughs> trash at the same time. Yeah, and it doesn't use a cheap technique yeah. to get you hooked. No. It builds the gradually. And they have of earned cheap. it. This is the yeah. opposite of cheap. I think unforgotten. Because um, people yeah. have a go at crime dramas. There's a dime a dozen. There's, there's, you know, million, every week there's a dozen new crime dramas on TV. But I think this is one of the very best. I really do. So I think I've talked before on the pod about the fact that I've tried and failed to get into Unforgotten. And I was trying to work out why. And, and so much of what Boyd is saying is true. Because I think, especially as somebody who consumes a lot of crime dramas, a lot of police dramas, a lot of procedurals. Um, I felt like the first episode of season one, which was all I'd watched prior to this, I just felt it had a lack of dynamism, was slow, was really ordinary. Isn't Flash, but then isn't cool Scandi Bleak on the other end. It kind of... <laughs> and it's so realistic. And then I sat with this one, obviously, I... I am a professional and I wanted to watch the whole thing. <laughs> and it's it's the it's exactly what Boyd was saying, which is the subtlety and the pace and the commitment to realism, even if that realism in the moment feels quite ordinary. So I was thinking about the line of duty, hey, to the OCD, to the BDD, like the mm. way they speak to each other. <laughs> and the conversations in this took some getting used to because Cassie will just there'll be a conversation and it will just be a really ordinary conversation in which nothing much happens where they update her on the case and they go, oh, by the way, this happened. She goes, okay. And then they go, oh, and then yeah. we worked out this. And she goes, good. And it's, and I was like, <laughs> how can I be watching? What? Where's the, where's the exposition? Yeah. And where's the like, and, but by the end of the episode, I loved it. And it's in, it's in all of it, like the Sheila Hancock mother, um, Boyd mentioned there's, there's a casual cruelty in the writing, which is absolutely mm. the way that cruelty happens in real life. <laughs> it doesn't happen in big proclamations. 
there's a whole thing with Cassie's dad having early onset dementia and the way that that is expressed on scene. There's this dinner party scene. And it's, I was thinking, I don't think I've ever seen dementia played like that on telly before because normally you see the forgetfulness you see these big moments this real sadness but this looked at this re- these moments of anger which are obviously um clearly based on a dysfunction in their relationship like it's so brilliantly true to life and it's it is slow but in a very deliberate way you know i think the fact it only deals with one case per season i was like hang on Shouldn't there be a body in episode? I want a body in episode. I want what, like... <laughs> so by the end, I was completely sold. And I am grateful that you didn't spoil season three, Boyd, because I'm now going to go back and oh, absolutely yeah. Yeah. watch you really the entire thing. But it made me realise that I've been fed a diet of very specific kind of formulaic dramas of this sense and that actually I had to kind of it's a challenge to my brain almost to sit with something mm. like this where they don't wrong. There's no kind of deliberate twist in the first third where you think, you know what it is. You think you know who it is, but it's not actually who you think it is because it's somebody mm. else. Like This is the anti SVU. It is, but the way they peel back the layers. So in the first episode, there's only really one kind of reveal in terms of you work out who, mm. who people are and what their significance is. And that's all the first episode really does and kind of catches you up on where Cassie is. I mean, Nicola Walker, I just think is she's extraordinary. Yeah. Um, <laughs> she, is. She, she is. She is extraordinary. She's incredible. In everything she does, she's, she's incredible. The best, yeah. Yep. So but also Sandy Bascott yeah, is really her. good at this. And I love that they both play these characters really soft and likable and hardworking. And they're not exceptional maverick detectives. They're just people who put in the hours and they're just quietly competent at their jobs. Uh, also, Carolina Maine, who plays DC Friendlingly. She's also good in this as well, um, who was in Blood. I, I've, I've loved this. I came to this quite late. I think, I can't remember. I talked about it on this podcast. I think I came to it in, like, when, might be just before Series 3 came out. I discovered the first two series. And I hadn't seen anything like it either, the way it does take this slow pace. And you feel like, less like you're watching a TV show and more like you're just in a police precinct mm. watching a case unfold it just it has a realism to it mm. that's delightful however i have questions about the chain of command and let me tell you why <laughs> because because dci cassie stewart obviously and bearing in mind that sunny is or what sunny was a ds i think he's still a ds and this has been promoted that that's a significant gap there she's fucked off for a year and she comes back and not only is he still presumably a DS, but no one else has taken over this unit. No one else has filled this position. I was just like, I have questions about the organization of this department. But other than that, other than my HR queries, I fucking loved it. I think it's brilliant. And I will watch every second of it. And I'm absolutely mortified. They've only given us the first one. I need them all in my face now because it's Mm. just so, so good. But it's good, by the way. I I think we should say that some shows don't warrant don't not warrant some shows are unsuitable i think to be shown to to land all in one go as a binge and i think this is such a it's a who done it you know mm. it's an absolute who done it light line of duty yeah. and the, i think these shows have to be weekly series we've, we've had this discussion before i know but I, yeah. i'm glad that there's still something itv and bbc now almost all the time make things available as a box set if you if you want to see it but i think there are some shows and this is a perfect mm. example that must that is much better as a weekly thing so yeah you have to be patient i i agree with you i think people should watch it weekly however i still think i should be allowed to see the yeah, right. because i'm massively entitled of course, <laughs> of course. Oh, that's a different matter yeah uh, anyway unforgotten series four 
begins on ITV on the 22nd of February at 9pm. Make sure you watch it or make sure you watch all the other series first and then watch it. Finally this week we have Love, Victor. This is another star launch and one that started on Hulu a while back. This is the spin-off to uh, Greg Belanti's delightful 2018 film Love, Simon. But rather than starring Nick Robinson, this stars Michael Camino as Victor, another closeted gay student who has just started at Creekwood High School. The question of course is, can Victor recap capture Simon's charm. Terry, did you love Victor? <laughs> very good, very good. Um, <laughs> so I I loved Love, Simon. I reviewed it for Empire, yeah. um, huge, huge fan. Um, and this is really interesting in how it kind of exists within the same universe and has echoes, but also tries to do what I think is quite quietly radical stuff. Um, the showrunners on this are actually the This Is Us showrunners, Isaac Aptaker and Elizabeth Berger. Um, we should also say that Nick Robinson, who was obviously Simon, is a producer on this. Um, he does appear, his voice appears in a narration sense, and we'll get into why that is in a minute. As you say, it focuses again on a student at the same high school, Creekwood High School, and it's about a similar journey, you think, on the surface about his sexuality and about dealing with that at school and at home. Now, it's actually really lovely that it's set in the same world. So it's got the same characters. The drama teacher who intervened when Simon was being bullied in the cafeteria in the film is in the show and has been promoted to vice president. Um, Nick Robinson's still involved, as we said. Um, same tone. So it's got this very kind of millennial whimsical tone there's a point where his new best friend victor's new best friend literally says where's your sense of whimsy um the yeah. same narrative set up so the film was a narration of simon's emails to blue the anonymous gay student in the school this is victor's dms being narrated so basically simon has left um home is now living in new york which is revealed by some quite badly mocked up instagram pictures of him at new york shows with his boyfriend um <laughs> So there's a lot that's the same, but there's some important differences. Um, so um, the socioeconomic status of Victor, because obviously Love, Simon was a very white middle-class story. So Michael Camino um, uh, is Victor and he is part Puerto Rican, part Colombian. Um, and uh, they live in flats as opposed to Simon's family lived in a big house there's a there's tension around money that leads to drama between the parents the parents aren't as happy as Simon's parents were and there's these kind of subtle ways in which his scenario is different not least of all the fact that actually what's hinted at at the end of the first episode is that this isn't a straight necessarily story of a gay student wanting to come out, that he might be bisexual. There's a sense of sexuality being a bit more fluid and, and it not being a binary gay or straight thing. Now, I think it's really significant that this is a, a teen show on a major streaming platform that features a um, gay character or, or bisexual character. We don't know that yet. As the lead, I still think that's significant. It was significant when Love, Simon came out that it was the first time a major studio had put a teen romance film out that was about a, a gay boy. That was really significant. But as we kind of got out earlier, I don't really know why it's on Star, um, which definitely makes me feel uncomfortable. So on one hand, it feels like progression, and on the other hand, not so much. 
So I think this has the same sweetness. It has the same, as I say, the same kind of delightful tone. You're really captivated by him. Um, his family situation is really interesting. It's very quiet in the way that Love, Simon was. There aren't really kind of big dramatic set pieces. It's, it, you know, the very conceit that actually in this day and age, you'd be really nervous about coming out, especially when you're in a high school where somebody previously did it to lots and lots and lots of support in the end is kind of is kind of an interesting one so i really liked this in much the same way that i like the film and i do think it does important stuff differently and it's those differences that for me make it most interesting yeah it's incredible how you think about it how how few shows there are um that deal with this that have gay people the center of them you know and it's like it, you know it's it's like the same thing that's happened with with russell t davis i think people when a show like it's a sin comes out everyone i mean everyone you know almost everyone loves it but you still get people kind of loading it down with him asking him to represent every single element yeah. mm. you know of that situation he's describing i think it's i think i find that kind of thing unfair and i've seen already i was looking at some of the reviews of this and from america and some of the articles about it it's like i almost feel like that the, the creators must be weighed down with the you know with having to but Actually, this is a very light, incredibly light, isn't it? Um, tone, mm. and I, 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 yeah. I, I like the film as well. And I think it's and it's quite unique in a way because it's not really a comedy. There are amusing moments, like the the coach of the basketball team. He's a really good basketball player, which I think is you know is is is, is interesting element of his character. And the coach is played by Andy Richter, and he's funny, but even he's dark, kind of dialed it down, you know. Mm. And it's, but that's about as funny as it gets, you know. And I've seen this described as a comedy. I don't think it's a comedy at all. It's just a kind of well, yeah, yeah. It's hard to pin down. It's kind of yeah. falls between the two because like the right. vice principal when she comes in it's almost like it's like a massively dulled down glee at times you know what i mean yeah. in terms of the time right. it feels really subdued but there's still that undercurrent of slightly surreal comedy in there yeah but i think it's but one but I, right but i think it's it's quite unique in a way for a show to be for this is a half hour show right and it's kind of like not a broad, it's not a comedy it's not a sitcom it's not a drama in the sense of like 13 reasons why even though it deals with a lot of the same kind of ideas and issues of that kind of show mm. which is a very like portentous kind of self-important we're being gritty and real and you know it, blah 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 and this is kind of, it is sweet is the word isn't it for this but mm. and yeah. yet it's not it's not cloying. I think. No. I think it's a really difficult trick they've pulled off. Is what I'm trying to say with the tone, because I think it actually works. I think you believe in it in the situation. I think because it's quite the comedy is quite dialed down, and because the. I mean, in, in, in it's almost sim similar way to I'm I'm forgotten, but it couldn't be a more different kind of show. It's aiming to to make you believe the situation and to believe the scenes, you know, individually. Without and, and making sure it never goes over the top, and so I think in a weird way you could almost dismiss it as being a bit, you know, a bit blah. But it's not bland. I don't. It somehow isn't bland, even though it's it's not. It, it feels dialed down. It feels very calm. You know, it doesn't. You know, and I think the reason why it feels so a bit bizarre that it couldn't just have been on Disney Plus and is now has to be on Star. This in quotes adult content oriented segment of, of Disney plus is because it's, you know, the most it ever gives you in terms of like dealing with the sexuality, dealing, you know, being edgy in any way is that the main character, you know, looks longingly at the mm. hunky guy he's into, you know, and that's about yeah. it. It's like, right. At the water that is, fountain. At the, wa yeah, the water. Like, exactly, yeah. At the water fountain. Yeah. And he's, you know, he's, 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 he's 
it is ripped under his t-shirt and it's like that's you're going to use that that is the reason you're putting it onto your adult content well, well they've but, said you know. like they've they've said in the past it's because it explores like there's alcohol use and themes of yeah. sexual exploration is what they've looked at which you know if were you feeling charitable you might be like mm, okay maybe but yeah. uh, certainly from what i've seen there is nothing in here that i can think of any because it's aimed no. at a young audience like it feels yeah. absolutely bang right. on for disney yeah. plus exactly. and the tone of it everything about it sexual exploration in this if it's anything like love simon and based on what we've seen so far it's yeah. there's no there's yeah. it's not sex no education is it there's no physical physical expression <laughs> no. of that it's no. it's no. all about as Boyd said, longing across a across a crowded hallway. Yeah, but yeah. so I think, it, but I think it works. I think it does work. Like somehow, you know, somehow, and I think the credit has to go to the writers, um, mostly the writers and, and the directors and everything. I just mm. think it, it is, even though it, it is very calm and it's very, you know, kind of um, tasteful, you know, um, which are all kind of quite unusual things in TV in this day and age. Because yeah, if you think of compared to something like Sex Education, which is, has has sex romps in every <laughs> beginning of every episode, you know, uh, in a brilliant way. But, and yeah, I didn't, I wasn't bored, and I was, you know, I kind of, I think the characters are believable. I think it's really important that he is a working in a working class family. I thought that was really interesting because you still don't see, not only do you not see gay teens mm. ever on TV, you never ever see working class families on TV still. Particularly in, you know, it's a glossy American drama, but it's got a working class family who have an issue with coming up with the $500 this boy needs to join the basketball team. And I think that kind of thing, and I know it sounds a bit earnest and a bit, you know, woke, fucking woke, sorry, <laughs> but... It's it's interesting, and it, I thought, and I and I and I cared about it, and I cared about him getting his five hundred five hundred dollars together to, to to go into the basketball team. So I I think it's I think it's good. I think it's really good. Yeah, it is nice. It's it's just really charming. I loved the film so much. Like it was it was surprising. It was it was really enjoyable, but it was so heartwarming and just sweet. And I think they've recaptured that tone, which I think was the thing that I most wanted them to do here. So it feels of a piece with Love Simon. I also like the fact that they've used Love Simon Simon to make it almost like canonical and to put this guy as a counterpoint to Simon's experience, I think it's a nice thing. Rather than trying to replicate it on the small screen, they're trying to tell a slightly different story with Love Simon as a backdrop to the extent where he's messaging Simon. You know, that's uh, I thought that was a nice touch. But yeah, it's 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 a lovely little show. It's really really tightly written at, at half hour episodes. Like it's really nice. Never outstays its welcome. So good stuff. I think there are how many episodes of this are there, boy? Do you know in the season? Is it ten? Ten. I think ten. Yeah, ten. Yeah, ten. ten episodes. Ten half hour episodes. And it's already been recommissioned. It's it's it's, it's already it has, been, yeah. Which unlike yeah, Big Sky, back. I know uh, is in is in. Uh, no one knows whether that's coming back. Just just mm. saying. <laughs> <laughs> well, Love Victor lands on Star as with Big Sky on Tuesday, February the twenty third. Now they're not the only original shows appearing on Star, are they, Boyd? There's also uh, what's that animated show, Solar Opposites, which is yeah. isn't this from another Rick and Morty creator? Yeah, it is. Or yeah. Rick and Morty person. Yeah. Yeah, obviously it's animated, and my bicycle's animation means I haven't watched it. Yeah, same here. Um, <laughs> it's an yeah. adult animation, so I haven't it seen it. It is an adult animation, yeah. And dis and Marvel's Hellstrom, yes. which is a really weird anomaly, I believe, in the Marvel universe. Yeah, it's shit evil by all accounts. Like, yeah. remember Evil that we really liked as kind of supernatural procedural? Like, this apparently is that, but not good. Yeah, I think it's already been cancelled, Marvel's yeah. Hellstrom, I have to say. Yeah, yeah probably in, not worth the uh, in, investment. In, in, yeah. But also coming, I should point out, is Terriers. 
is dropping it in its entirety on Star when it launches. Now, Terrors was a Donald Logue and uh, a Michael Raymond Jones show, and uh, it's 10 years old now. But that was that was a massive cult hit, and it being cancelled was one of those things where people were up in arms about it. Uh, I, I've, I've seen some of them. I haven't seen all of them, but I remember it being really, really good. I don't know why I didn't stick up with it. Uh, but everyone talks about how it's about an ex-cop, and, a, and he's a recovering alcoholic, which is uh, Donald Logue's character, and his best friend, who's an ex-criminal, and they become unlicensed private investigators. But it's a really, really, really good show and that's uh that's that's worth watching that drops as i say in its entirety on the 23rd as well i'm gonna watch the rest of that mm, uh, anything it. else out the, this week that we've missed boyd pennyworth is returning on oh, sunday yeah, bates yeah. motel seasons one to five is coming to bbc one that's only on the 23rd i don't think there is that much else actually and that's pretty much it so then what's our pick of the week oh unforgotten uh, unforgotten unforgotten absolutely unforgotten and on that note, I guess that is it for this week's episode of the Pilot TV Podcast. As always, we very much appreciate your reviews on Apple Podcasts or, let's be honest, any other platform for that matter, uh, especially when accompanied by a five-star rating. I'm just going to go ahead and assume that you all already follow us on social media, but if you're one of the last remaining holdouts, then we are at James C. Dyer, at Terry underscore White, and at Boyd Hilton. Uh, next week, we'll be breaking bad alongside Brian Cranston once again as he wanders off the straight and narrow in Sky's Your Honor. Uh, and next week also, also brings with it the return of The Walking Dead, which may or may not make it into this show, depending on what else emerges and or how much I wish to punish Terry and Boyd. Until then, pilot out. (laughs) 